Welcome to a brand new cheer episode of Sequel Rights, the cheer cast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they cheer made how many of those? And each and every sequel gets a fair cheer trial. My name is Justin Camps and I'm cheer with Elizabeth Ellie and Ty Cheer Hymanson. <laughs> uh, well, we are uh, here talking about <laughs> a brand new entry. It's not brand new. It's from 2009, I think. The, the latest <laughs> entry, for us at least, in the Bring It On franchise. Bring It On, fight to the finish. And you know what, you guys? We have a very special episode planned for you today. But before we get into why it is so special, Eliz, uh, where can people uh, reach out to us? Yeah, uh, send us an email at sequelrights at gmail.com with all your feedback or questions. And find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sequel Rights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars goes a long way. Uh, but don't reserve your stars for now. First, listen to this amazing guest that we have uh, coming up. Uh, and Justin will tell you more about it. That's right. Uh, we have a very special guest this week, and uh, we, you know, we had such a great time speaking with her that we wanted you guys to hear this first before we dive into Fight to the Finish this week. So take a listen right now to our interview with Allison Wright. Well, we are here right now with a very special guest on this week's episode. Allison Wright is here with us. She is the executive editor and publisher of the Virginia Quarterly Review and a journalism professor at the University of Virginia. She holds a Ph.D. from the University of Texas at Austin, where she wrote a doctoral dissertation on the cultural history of cheerleading. Allison, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, you know, we, we, we really wanted to bring on uh, the smartest person we could, we could find to talk about <laughs> these cheerleading movies that, you know, we've been spending <laughs> multiple weeks on now. And uh, it's such an honor uh, to have a moment to speak with you today. I love that you're devoting so much attention to a cheerleading franchise. That's right. Definitely. Uh, so I guess to start out, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up uh, becoming the expert on the history of cheerleading? Sure. Yeah. So I went to graduate school in the early aughts at the University of Texas, as you said, and in American studies. Um, and I was looking for a project, as a lot of people do when they're... Um, working on their PhDs, I was looking for something that had not been um, studied before, something that had not been covered academically, right? And so um, it occurred to me that not a lot of academic attention, culturally speaking, had been paid to cheerleading as a form, right? So there's a lot of work on um, cheerleading in an educational setting. So peer groups, right? How people relate to how, how children relate to one another in an educational setting. Um, but there had not been a lot of attention paid to cheerleading when it comes to how cheerleaders are, cheerleaders are represented in literature, on film, things like that. So that, that was sort of where my interest began. Um, before I did that for my dissertation, um, I actually wrote an ethnography of cheerleading. So that is basically, you know, just an academic way of saying that I sort of embedded with a cheerleading squad for a year. Um, and I studied junior high cheerleading. So <laughs> I, you know, went to all their practices and their games and their competitions. 
interviewed them. This was, like I said, in the early 2000s. And so I actually gave them all disposable cameras, <laughs> which are really <laughs> hard to find now. Nice. Um, but I had them just take pictures of their lives, you know, just shoot whatever they wanted to shoot. And then had those pictures developed and talked to them about that. You know, what does this mean? Why is this important to you? So I just tried to get, um, you know, a, a quote unquote picture um, of what their lives were like. And that's sort of what led to the larger project. Okay. So had you been involved in cheerleading growing up or anything? I was a cheerleader in high school in Texas, in San Antonio, in the mid-90s. I was a sideline and competitive cheerleader. I had no idea that that was going to lead to a professional life, having to do with cheerleading. Um, I thought that I was done after high school. I thought I want nothing else to do with large groups of women and girls, <laughs> let alone cheerleaders. Um, but it, yeah, it came back to find me. Okay. So is your, what is your doctorate actually in? Is it, are you, you're not actually like a doctor of cheerleading or are you? (laughs) Um, It's actually a PhD in American studies. Awesome. That's great. Cheerleading is, uh, despite being so large and prominent here in the U.S., um, it's not big enough to have its own field of study yet. Okay. Um, So getting then to the bring it on movies, when did you first come to this series and, um, how did you find out about it? What did you think of it? And what has your experience been with the films um, over the years? Yeah, so the films actually started to be released before I entered graduate school. So they were already sort of on my radar. Um, but I would say that they fit into um, what I found in my research or what I termed sort of a third wave, um, kind of superhero or superheroine um, cheerleader representation, right? So there, there are competitive cheerleaders in the mm-hmm. Bring It On films. Um, and, you know, you guys have already pointed out the ways in which um, the squads sort of compete with each other, right? But there's also some infighting that happens. There are lots of plot points that don't specifically deal with cheerleading. Um, but in a larger sense, the Bring It On films are part of this uh, competitive or all-star cheerleading that we see happening um, in beginning kind of in the mid to late 90s, but really coming to fruition in the early 2000s. And that's sort of where Bring It On uh, as a franchise exists in the representation of cheerleaders. Awesome. Um, so have you, ha- have you personally, have you seen all of the, uh, I'm curious if you've even seen all the, uh, all of the sequels I have seen all of the sequels. I have even seen Bring It On the Musical, oh, oh. which was adapted from the third movie. Um, I saw that in Houston, oh, I want to say in 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, w- it was out here in L.A. for like a month or something. And, and, uh, I don't was think, it? I don't think any go? of us. Yeah, I don't think any of us made it. It was uh, before we, we were. We didn't know about it yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I didn't. Th- I don't think it had a very long run, so we missed it. Unfortunately, it was good. It was good. Um, was I'm curious if you have seen, uh, if you've witnessed any impact that the the the, the Bring It On films have had, uh, you know, in the world of cheerleading over the years. Sure. So I think, I mean, you. I listened to the first two um, podcasts that you that you did on this. Mm-hmm. Thanks. On this franchise. Um, yeah. sure. And, you know, you noted um, the language right around cheer, um, which has had a life or begun uh, a life 
beyond cheerleading, right? So like cheerocracy, you know, terms like that, mm-hmm. um, which I think it was really smart to mention pitch perfect. Um, I think that's certainly a direct descendant um, of, of the Bring It On movies. But, you know, you see that um, even in, I don't know if either of you have seen um, the Netflix series Cheer that came out at the beginning of this year, but um, you you can see the evidence of Bring It On certainly in Cheer, right? Like, you know, that that squad um, that they follow has seen bring it on. You see references made to that throughout, throughout cheer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it just really made um, competitive cheerleaders wreck. I think competitive cheerleaders recognize themselves in bring it on. And I think that it was one of the first times that competitive cheerleaders saw themselves um, as people um, outside of the sort of um, like stereotypical cheerleader only to be laughed at, right? Like it was one of the first films to take cheerleaders seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, even if of course it did have all of those standard stereotypical tropes that we laugh at when we think of cheerleaders, right? Mm-hmm. Because you need to pull in that audience and cheerleaders are going to be like the high school trope. Like cheerleaders represent high school and they always will. That's just, it's a shorthand for high school. It's a yep. shorthand often for college. It's a shorthand mm-hmm. for school spirit. You know, I think um, Eliz was talking about band at some point, right? Like yeah. there are certain things that we can just point to that mean American school experience and cheerleaders are one of them, but bring it on was one of the first massively successful films to really say like, Hey, there is something meaty here. There is something to this experience that not that's not just about like jumping in the air, showing your boobs, like yelling for boys. Like it can be about something greater. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of cheerleaders saw themselves reflected in that. And I think that really took the activity forward in certain ways. Yeah, that's awesome. I've only been able to watch the so far the first episode of Cheer and it's it's already great to see like what seems to be like that, you know, docuseries taking uh like what maybe bring it on started even t- to the next level and and like shining mm-hmm. even a more even a more serious light on uh you know the the athletic sport that is uh, that is cheerleading, yeah, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I think um competitive cheerleading has been uh, the competitions have been shown on ESPN um, and other now on Varsity, which is um, the company that really sort of owns a lot of cheerleading, quite honestly. Um, they have their own channel now. And mm-hmm. so that's where a lot of the competitions are broadcast. But it's been available for streaming um, for years and years. Right. But if you're not a fan of cheerleading, you don't necessarily know that that's available to watch. And so for Netflix to really follow a squad through a season um, as other shows have done. I mean, we've had shows on, you know, USA and Bravo and channels like that Mm -hmm. in the past, but Netflix certainly, right. Like you Netflix flips a switch and like hundreds of millions of people have hours of television at their, you know, (laughs) at the fingertips of their remote. Right. So um, for Netflix to follow that squad for a season and really see like what goes in to the making of a championship um, cheerleading squad was sort of revolutionary for a lot of people. Um, and especially for it to be a co-ed cheerleading squad mm-hmm. really makes a difference because a lot of people still think of cheerleaders as 
only girls or only women. Um, and that was never the case in the beginning. And it's not the case now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, speaking, speaking about while we're on the topic of it being like a co-ed, um, you know, squad, I, I was curious, you know, in the, in the films, uh, that we've seen so far, like the male cheerleaders are usually, uh, mostly depicted using, you know, really tired and awful stereotypes and are mm-hmm. usually dealing with like the social stigma of being a male cheerleader amongst, you know, their peers in school. And is that something that you see male cheerleaders still really struggling with today? You know, I think it depends. Um, I think in a lot of cases at the collegiate level, you have male cheerleaders who are former athletes from other sports, right? Mm-hmm. So you have men who played football, for instance, or who wrestled in high school, but then they go on to a college where they're just not going to be contenders in those sports, or maybe they're not interested for whatever reason, uh, the amount of time that it takes, or they didn't get a scholarship or, you know, any number of reasons, right? Um, but they realize that cheerleading is just as athletic, if not more in certain ways. And that's where they want to put their time and energy. And so they join that, you know, they try out and they make that squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be just a different season, something like that, you know, what have you. Um, and so you do have, like I said, former athletes from different sports in college and, I think that's just an entirely different set of circumstances and sort of, um, you know, cultural expectations Mm -hmm. around cheerleading in college. Um, I think in high school, you do still have some misunderstandings and a different set of expectations around what it means to be a cheerleader and what it means to be a male cheerleader, partly because in high school, you do still often have cheerleading squads who are sideline squads, right? So squads who cheer for the other sports at the school, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to the football games, you're going to the basketball games, you're doing all of that. And then you may also be able to compete, but maybe not. A lot of the times in high school, if you're on a competitive cheerleading squad, you're doing that as a sort of club sport, right? Or an extracurricular activity not associated with your school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you know, if you're a, if you're a boy doing that, it might be because you're an exceptional gymnast. And so you're competing with a squad that is attached to the gym, right? Right. Where uh, you're a gymnast and that's separate from your school. Mm -hmm. And that's just an entirely different circumstance. Yeah. We finally had, uh, I think just in the most recent film, the introduction of the all-star squads and the idea of, um, the cheerleading squads being um, sponsored by different gyms. Right. Right. And um, the docuseries on Netflix cheer really gets into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great thing that cheer did by focusing on the Navarro college cheerleaders is uh, choosing a junior college, right? Navarro. And so just like to bring it on films in various ways, right. It offers that opportunity to look at, um, you know, class and economics and race and gender and orientation, all of these different things that come into play in cheerleading, which a lot of people don't realize, right? Because they think of cheerleading as just like something for the popular kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't understand that there are all of these different things that make it accessible or not in various ways. Um, so we've talked about how important the first uh, iconic film has been and bigger things like Netflix's cheer. But um, have you seen that 
people that are cheering nowadays are actually watching the sequel bring it on films like are they like is that something that also comes up uh in in that group or not really yeah i i don't find that many people know that there are so many sequels to bring it on (laughs) right like it's a it's a canonical film bring it on Mm -hmm. um but I've talked to a few people about uh, doing this podcast, you know, and yeah. <laughs> the majority of them were like, what? I had no idea. There were so many, uh, which is a real shame because I mean, the third one, especially I think is fantastic, uh, which is probably why the musical was adapted from the third one. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there are all sorts of things having to do with getting the rights, securing the rights to it and things like that as right. well. But um yeah, no, I, I don't think that people know that there are as many. Um, and, you know, the fact that the the films went largely straight to video after the first mm-hmm. one or straight to DVD or, mm-hmm. you know, what have you, which was obviously a thing in the 2000s <laughs> yeah. that we don't think about now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I don't think people realize that there, there are as many. Well, we're doing a public okay. service for everyone. There. We are. <laughs> we are, so, yeah. So since you um, bring up the third film, um, I know you mentioned that you listened to our first two episodes, but we, mm-hmm. we really struggled with the third film as far as the um, depictions of all the cultural appropriation. And yeah. we were recording right in the middle of the riots and everything. Sure. So that was something no, we really fair. struggled with. Yeah. Um, and we've seen those issues come up in many or almost all of the films so far. Um, mm-hmm. How has cultural appropriation kind of played out in the real world of cheerleading and how big of an issue is it now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I apologize for not having been able to listen yet. To oh, that no, episode. All good. no problem. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, I mean, one thing about cheerleading, especially of the competitive variety, but um, also of the sideline variety And this relates directly to things that we're talking about a lot now, but um, school districting, right, Um, and school segregation. Uh, And so I think it's understandable in certain ways that this would be the case. But um, and the the movies talk about this with respect to um, routine stealing. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, how did you not know that this routine, you know, (laughs) wasn't yours to begin with? Right. Things like that. Um, So cheerleading from really the beginning of the rise of cheerleading associations, right? So when cheerleading became competitive mm-hmm. in the seven, in the 1970s, and there started to be cheerleading organizations where they would have camps, where they would teach routine, you know, teach cheers and teach dance routines and things like that. Um, they had camps and then they started to have cheerleading uh, competitions and things like that. So a lot of these organizations were grouped regionally, and uh, squads largely organized by schools, right? School districts, um, squads would go to camps run by these organizations. Um, but they did also, they were also segregated in certain ways, right? Even if not officially, just like we've seen with school districts post uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, right? And post Brown v. Board of Education. So um, we did have cheerleading associations that were largely um, de facto segregated. And so if you were, if you were to watch cheerleading competitions, even into the early two thousands, if you were to go back and watch those tapes, you would notice that a particular style of dance, for instance, has grown up in one, one organization 
versus another. So in one organization, you're going to see more hip hop, for instance, and you're going to see more of a dance oriented routine with fewer stunts, fewer, like less tumbling, fewer cheers, Mm. but a lot more dancing. And a lot of that dancing is going to be hip hop. Right. And then in another organization, in those competitions, you're going to see more cheers. Those cheers are going to be, you know, if we're talking about the bring it all movies, like they're going to be more like torrents, right. They're going to be more like those cheers. Um, and there, there's going to be some dancing, but not as much. There's going to be more stunting and there's going to be more tumbling. And that's sort of how the organizations were split. And so there's definitely been a pretty strict divide between the styles of cheer and dance in the organizations. Um, you know, and they, and they really just model, um, sort of how we've seen the culture split over the last say 40 or 50 years when it comes to styles of dance. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask about, um, you know, people incorporating more and more popular dance styles into, uh, into the routines. Cause we see that in the movies, like each of the movies now is like every movie they're like, Oh, we got to incorporate something from, you know, our personal lives, uh, the way that we dance. And I was curious if that is, you know, something that happens a lot as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think what you start to see is that people will hire choreographers, right. For competition, for those dances. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it becomes very secretive, right? Like, no, you don't want anyone to see your routine. And if one choreographer is working with one squad, then, you know, they'll sign an NDA or they'll promise not to work with the rival squad or, you know, things like that. And so, routine stealing i mean that's not a foreign concept in cheerleading Mm -hmm. right like those are things that's something that does happen and that's something that does terrify champion squads right especially at the upper level um collegiate levels right when you're when you start talking about co-ed like varsity levels that does happen um but i think it would be a little you know, I think, I think, um, what we see in the first bring it on, for instance, like, I think that is a little far fetched, right? (laughs) Like for an all white squad, um, to sort of say like, no, this is our route. I have no idea why you would think that we stole this from you. This is how we always dance. Like, (laughs) no, that would be a little strange. Um, but otherwise, yeah. I mean, a lot of those things are, are real and do happen. I was wondering, um, based on the first film, is it possible for any competitive squads to do Spirit Fingers unironically, or did the movie <laughs> kill it? <laughs> like, is it just not a thing Spirit anymore? Sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do think that you see Spirit Sprinkles less and less now. Um, that was definitely a thing through the nineties and even into the two thousands, you see it a lot at the lower levels. So (laughs) elementary into even junior high, but once you get to high school, you stop, you stop seeing that certainly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you do spirit sticks are still a thing though. Oh yeah. So is like the spirit stick, is it that you can't, we had one movie where you couldn't drop it and then we had another Uh movie where you couldn't lose it and the teams were like running around. 
Yeah, yeah, so is, yeah. Is it um, both of those so, either? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that I think that squads have their own superstitions, right? Just like any other sport, you have a superstition about your trophy or you know, um, do you wear the same socks from the last time you performed Mm. and won, right? (laughs) All of those sorts of things. Um, I think those are probably specific superstitions to that squad. Um, I'm unaware of any larger like spirit stick superstitions, but it doesn't surprise me that there would be something like that. Okay. Um, so you mentioned cheer on Netflix already, but what are some of the other best and worst uh, media depictions of cheerleading and where do the bring it on films fall in the spectrum? Sure. Yeah. So there's a film called fired up. Have you guys seen that or talked about that? We no, haven't talked I've about heard it. Of it. Yeah. I, think I, I feel okay. like I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's one where two football players go to cheer camp. Yes. Right. So they uh, pretend right. to be, cheerleaders in order to meet girls mm-hmm. right like they just want to hook up with mm-hmm. the cheerleaders <laughs> um and it's a terrible terrible representation of male cheerleaders it's all the stereotypes that you can imagine like lots of homophobia really mm-hmm. really difficult film um to sit through i mean i think it's like 2009 2010 something like that i feel like you know? yeah High school time. Um, and it's and the marketing for it, um, if I recall correctly, the marketing for it is like this is not a movie about cheerleading, right? Like men should come and see this. People who play football should come and see this. Like uh, the average American male should come and see because it's not about cheerleading, right? It's about like dudes getting chicks, <laughs> right? You know, but like it's a film about cheerleading. They go, they go to a cheerleading camp, you know, um, it's a film about how much we hate women who are cheerleaders, like how little we think of them intellectually, how easily we think they can be fooled. Mm -hmm. Right. And how little we think of men really such that they need to like dumb themselves down in order to get women. I mean, the whole thing is just terrible. Yeah. Um, It was also around the same time that that movie failure to launch came out with Matthew McConaughey and Sarah Jessica Parker, which the entire thing is just an anti-feminist nightmare. Like there was a string of these (laughs) movies where like, the the men are depicted terribly the women are depicted terribly like nothing about these movies are good yeah um have you seen but i'm a cheerleader no i've heard of that one as well it's amazing yeah it's amazing um clea duvall it's directed by jamie babbitt um natasha leone mm-hmm. it is basically um so Natasha Leone gets sent to conversion camp, right? Because she's gay, but her parents can't handle the fact that she's gay. Mm-hmm. And the whole time she's like, I can't be gay. I'm a cheerleader, but I'm a cheerleader, right? Like I can't be gay, but it's just a gorgeous, like satirical, like smart, intellectual, satirical, like coming out film. Like she and Clea Duvall, like flee the conversion camp together like in love and, and there's like a beautiful 
like sort of make out scene where she's wearing her it's very campy first of all it's very campy in the best way possible she's wearing like a 90s cheerleading skirt and a sports bra the like huge sports bra that covers like your entire chest (laughs) right made out of like the nastiest sweatiest cotton that's not going (laughs) to hold anything up or like it's not dry fit in the least right um but it's just like this beautiful scene and then, of course, there are lockers. Like, it's a dream. There, Like, there are lockers. It's the worst American high school you can imagine. But it's just a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, like I said, so campy. Okay. Um, that's a really great one. Going to have to add that okay. to our watch list for... Uh, you really should. Yeah, to redeem some cheerleading movies for you, us after you this. Really, you really <laughs> should. I mean, everybody, everybody should see But I'm a Cheerleader. I think it, it's really like hands down of all the cheerleader films. And I've seen so many, I have an entire uh, chapter in my dissertation on cheerleader porn. Like I have seen not only the most cheerleader films, probably of anyone you've ever spoken with, but probably the most porn of anyone you've spoken Uh. with. Like, so like the Venn diagram (laughs) of that is, (laughs) I have to say. That totally makes sense because that is a huge Um, part of the cultural depiction. Huge market for cheerleader. Like, you don't even want to know how I got my hands on some of that cheerleader (laughs) porn. That's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to say. Just going to say. Oh, you wow. have you should really watch but i'm a cheerleader it's okay. fantastic it's fantastic so, so the bring it on films are sort of in the middle of that spectrum that you just they described. are they okay. are you know and i mean i'm guessing you've seen buffy like let's not mm-hmm. forget buffy mm-hmm. is a cheerleader that's right buffy is a cheerleader um of course her cheerleader status is more prominent in the original film right mm-hmm. but i would argue throughout the series she uses her skills as a cheerleader or at a certain point you could say former cheerleader. Right. But so many of her sequences as a fighter are really tumbling sequences, right? (laughs) Like her cheerleader status is on display at certain points in the Buffy, the vampire slayer series. And there are so many times where she says like, I just want to be normal you know, and one of the ways in which Buffy is coded as normal is as a cheerleader, you know, and I mean, I will fight to the death for Buffy's cheerleader status. Like you, you just have to, you have to let Buffy be a cheerleader, (laughs) you know, that's awesome. That's so Um, funny. Yeah. So the movies, um, you mentioned that in a lot of them, the characters or the protagonists are dealing with things outside of cheerleading. Um, and there's been a variety of subjects from their teenage or young adult lives that have been covered so far. Um, how well do you think that these one, these films actually represent, um, the lives of cheerleaders today? And if it hasn't been very accurate, what should the films maybe be dealing with instead? Yeah. I mean, this is such a great question. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, like I, like I was just saying, right. Like one of the ways in which, um, normalcy, like American adolescence, for instance, um, is coded is by saying that someone's a cheerleader or like we said earlier, right. Like we, we nod to American high schools with cheerleaders, like, 
Veronica Mars, right? The beginning of that show is Veronica like skipping across the parking lot in her cheerleading uniform. And like that says American high school, Mm -hmm. right? Goes downhill very quickly. But like that is how we say it's an American high school. Like Mm -hmm. cheerleaders signify high school in America in a particular way. Um, And so these movies, like so many others, um, they cover like you said, like so much of, of young adulthood and, and the young adult world and the teenage world. Um, and there are, uh, there are so many other films who do this as well, like Jennifer's body, which mm-hmm. was a movie with, um, Oh gosh, I can see her Megan face Fox. right now. Fox. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Megan Fox. Um, but deals with, um, sexual assault. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she becomes like sort of vengeful, right. She's avenging, the sexual assault yeah. in that film, um, which is something else that is like all too common, right? During young adulthood and, and during adolescence. And so, you know, I think that maybe the bring it on films as a whole, like that world don't address every single thing that can happen in adolescence. Um, but if we're talking about high school and an American high school they do cover so much ground and they allow for, they open up a space, right? For these other films and these other TV shows um, that do explore other, other worlds, right? Other parts of adolescence. Um, you know, we do have relationships that happen in these films. Um, I mean, are they funny? Sure. Are they played for laughs? Certainly. Um, are they relationships that we would want to replicate maybe not (laughs) (laughs) you know um but it's often like you know the very sort of cliched person on one side of the tracks and the person on the other side of the tracks um and that's right that's a cliche of of young adult novels and films and what have you for a reason because it allows us to talk about these differences right these different circumstances um the bring it on films are very early in this oeuvre And I think there are other things that do it better, right? Mm -hmm. But the concept of a cheerleading squad as an entry into talking about these worlds, right, is something that we're very comfortable with. So we can say, hey, here's a cheerleading squad. Here's something that almost everybody who's been to school in the U.S. knows about, is familiar with. So that's a low barrier for entry, and then we can start to talk about all of these other things, right? You know, I think that's something that the series allows for. Um, are there things that do a better? Sure, of course. Yeah. Um, well, was there any other, like, really important aspect of the films and their impact or of cheerleading that you wanted to mention that we didn't cover? I mean, there are so many things to talk about with cheerleading. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm very aware that you guys are talking about the Bring It On series and not <laughs> cheerleading real large. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think these, these movies, um, especially like the third, right, which was Hayden Panettiere, Solange Knowles, right? Um, and the first, of course, with Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union and Eliza Dushku. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- so many people from these series, right, have gone on to have just giant careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Rihanna, right, was yeah, in, in the third. Yeah, the, the third. Yeah, the second, third. One. Third. third? Yeah. The third one too. Yeah. Right. Um, Crazy. So, 
the, I mean, these are really vehicles for people um, to showcase their talent and, um, and the writing really, you know, really helps with that. Um, and I think not a lot of people, not a lot of viewers um, appreciate how much the writing allows the actors um, to, to, you know, to really do their job well. Um, and the, the first movie is probably the best written mm-hmm. um, for all of its faults. And a lot of people at the time, I think, talked about how Kirsten Dunst um, was able, you know, to really for the first time, like pivot to comedy Mm -hmm. in a certain way. She was very young then. So it's not a surprise that that was like the first role um, she had that really allowed her to do that. Um, I think Gabrielle Union was probably underrated Mm -hmm. in that film. I mean, she's just amazing. Um, She's a great writer, too. I don't know if if y'all have read her memoir. Um, that came out, I think, toward the end of last year. Okay. But she's, I mean, that is by far one of my favorite books of the last, like, two years. Um, and so, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of her stuff was ad-libbed. I don't, I mean, I don't know. But, you know, I just think, like, these films had so many people who were, like, on the rise mm-hmm. at the time and have gone on to even bigger and better things. Okay. Well, uh <laughs> Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this. Uh, where can people follow your work if they want to keep up on the uh, cheerleading news? Um, yeah, I mean, my stuff's on my website, which is just writeallison.com, W-R-I-G-H-T-A-L-L-I-S-O-N.com. That's also my Twitter, writeallison. So you can find anything new there. Awesome. Okay, well, again, thank you so much for doing yes. this. We really appreciate it. And it was great and so incredibly interesting thank you so much for having me (laughs) I ain't stopping until our high school squad is an all-star squad are y'all down? yeah girl we tighter than a new weed now let's do this Nina was on her way to the top when life knocked her back to the bottom mom thinks that going to school in Malibu is the best thing that ever happened to me you can't complain about moving to Malibu Hey, what's it like there? Lifestyles of the rich and annoying. Who are they? Nobby Jaguars. All-Star squad. My East LA squad is like this close to becoming All-Stars too. Wow. And I'm like this close to caring. When Avery's mean to you. (laughs) Well, I I couldn't let the trailer go on as long as it does, but towards the end there is a funny part where the announcer guy is like, the hottest bring it on yet. And I was like, okay. Uh, I don't know about. I mean, (laughs) I suppose maybe somebody's probably watching. It was maybe in summer. (laughs) Could be warm, like because it's at the beach. Like, what are they trying to say? No, it would be cooler there, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I thought that's true. No, yeah, because they were actually filming in Glendale, so it was warmer. (laughs) Shout out to Glendale in the movie. In the movie, loser third place Glendale. (laughs) Glendale. (laughs) I have that in my notes. Glendale. I know everything else is like the Pacific Coast All-Stars, like the blah, 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 and then just Glendale. <laughs> yeah, they don't even have a cool name like the Jaguars. They literally just like, eh, well, let's just go by the name of our city, like whatever. We're not creative. <laughs> it's Glendale. Um, well, here we are this week talking about bringing on Fight to the Finish from 2009, starring Christina Milian. It's her is turn. This a, is this a person? So 
watching these movies as as someone who is a little bit out of touch, which is me. Um, it's hard to know if this is Universal trying to force a pop star. No. Or if this is somebody who was already established that had a music video at the end of this. She or was, yeah, what, she was already happening? a pop star. Okay. She was like a. She had a really big hit um, from AM to PM, mm-hmm. but uh, she had other very successful albums. She was in. This is after the Nick Cannon thing, right? Uh, Don't cost a thing. Not sure about that. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, she she did a rom com with Nick Cannon. Um, oh, you know, which is one of the few obviously young people rom coms with two. Uh, black characters or, uh-huh. well she's she's half black half latino um but uh yeah so i mean it was really well known for that and she was in all the teen magazines and everything because of course they dated in real life and blah 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 and, uh yeah she's continued to act and have a music career that's right that uh you know her her self-titled debut album was out in 2001 so she was like, you know, AM to PM is a huge song. I'm sure you recognize Oh, damn. That. Uh, so, yeah, that was, okay, that so was I don't mean that this. to be like, I have no idea who this person is. I just mean that, again, <laughs> this movie ends with another music video. Yeah. And unlike, it's confusing for these movies as if this person actually has a music career or not. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, she definitely I mean, did. It's, yeah. it's not as big of a deal as the Rihanna music right. video, but it is, yeah. So Definitely, you know, like... Cause it is, yeah, you know she. I know uh, she. She. She was uh, wanting to get further into acting at this point, and she had already. Yeah, like you said, I did look that up, and that movie was before this. And be cool, she was yeah. in before this, and everything. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that this was just a you know an, another opportunity to, for her to have like a lead role, and also to help you know launch some some music that she's also been working on. Yeah, I mean, I thought that she was pretty good and it's yeah. great to have for once a lead character uh, of color mm-hmm. yes. and um you know uh she she's 27 when they filmed this so <laughs> uh-huh. you can definitely tell that she's just like a lot more mature like you know puberty wasn't yesterday it was like a little while ago <laughs> unlike some of the teens you know but um but i think she still looks pretty young like, I, I don't think sure. she looks 27 at all. Like, I would have thought maybe, yeah. oh, she's like 22 or 23, you know. Well, like, I think Gabrielle Union was 27 in the first movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, she looks great. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good kind of vehicle for her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think uh, I think she's pretty good in this movie. And she, she uh, you know, she gets a, the opportunity that a lot of the um, – <laughs> The, a lot of the leads throughout the previous movies don't get to. Uh, she gets the chance to be competent throughout the entire film. Yeah, <laughs> and really show off. Uh, you know the reason why she is a a uh, captain of her cheerleading squad. Yes. Um, so as we've stated in some of the previous movies, apparently Universal thinks the most important thing that you must have in every Bring It On movie is an opening dream sequence. Dream sequence. <laughs> And this time, instead of being embarrassed sexually or gasoline or by a serial killer, it's your evil stepdad yeah. pulling you away. From it's the based scene. on a real life event that has actually already happened. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where it's like you know the way it happens is you she, yeah you make you think that uh, you know the whole movie is going to be like about her mom marrying this guy, but that is like, oh, no, it's already happened, and she's moving away. 
Yeah. And that's not um, even the an important part of the movie, barely. Yeah, and then like in the very first couple seconds, you think it's gonna be some kind of thing where their cheerleaders are going up against like this kind of barrio dance crew, and you're like, ah, okay, whatever. You know, like they're doing the lean like a cholo yeah. dance and stuff, and it's like, Oh, well, this is cool. I don't know. But then <laughs> immediately like, you're like, Oh, okay, like that was just for like local color. <laughs> we also uh the main character's name is Lena, but it's short for what? It's short for what? Catalina. 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 Oh my god. Oh, you guys, they're they're continuing on with it. Apparently that I we I loved how in the first movie we were totally joking about that. And that's it's definitely a and thing. now now it's a thing. Well, I think that we know our way around a few sequels. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you gotta keep the dream sequence and you gotta keep the name. And, and next next coming up next is Glendora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they could have done that because multiple times the uh racist rich girls in this movie call her and her friends dora the explorer yeah so they could have gone with glendora <laughs> yeah as, horrible as that is they they came back hard with the uh the insensitive racist comments in this movie <laughs> yeah well they did yeah. It continues uh, to be written by Alison we'll Foos. Um, yes. Uh, and then we also have uh, Elena Song as a writer. Um, but this time we got a different director with Billy Woodruff, um, who is known for directing Billy. a lot of uh, really famous music videos with Tony Braxton and a bunch of other people. Oh. He Unbreak my heart. 2003 movie Honey. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. Well, we're going to end up doing that series someday. Exactly. Since the poor man step up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he, uh, he also did honey too. It looks like and beauty yeah. shop. So there we go. Lots of sequels going on. In spin-offs. <laughs> well, if it's the same writers, but a different director, I think maybe the, we have the director to thank for the fact that this is in my opinion, not as bad as the last two or even last three, maybe. I so. would agree as well. I think there, yeah. yeah, this is a movie where there's still definitely lots of very problematic stuff, but it, it it's mostly coming from like one character. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about still like can't a movie where somebody out. says, "Just head east until you smell the poverty." Yeah, uh, but she is she is cart she is the snidely whiplash of cheerleaders. Like she is so evil. It also seems like she's thirty. <laughs> she does yeah. look the oldest of all of them. <laughs> the the thing with the racism in this one is that this time they really do manage to keep it almost exclusively to the antagonists. Yeah. The right. problem with the Hayden Panettiere one is that everyone was racist. The white people were racist. The black people were racist. The poor people were racist. The rich yeah. people were racist. Like, yeah. the, the cheerleaders, the family, the exactly. everything was so racist. You know, like this one, at least it's only the bad characters. And they kind of like make it weird and try to make it more of like a um a a class thing uh like you yes. said poverty or or not um because one of the mean rich characters is a black girl mm-hmm. um but it still is very racially charged because it's all uh there's one black girl that's comes with friend of lena um but mostly it's latino people that they're yep. latinx people that they're making fun of yeah, and it has the same. I, I I think the best way that we can kind of differentiate differentiate them. Oh, I just said that wrong twice. Um, 
is is the there's the same scene where the white girl is doing the thing where she's gonna pretend to take off her earrings and get into a fight but in this time it, it is played as comedic relief where in the hayden pantier one uh it's like a character hero being, moment yeah, yeah it's like her hero moment yeah um and in this one you know we have uh lena's stepsister is kind of just this lame dorky uh nice girl who uh, just wants to be a friend and is on a cheerleading team uh, that is not as good as they would hope. It is This movie takes liberties in terms of what constitutes a cheerleading team. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did like that, you know, the whole... Uh... Yeah, the whole the whole story is that uh, yeah, the her mom got married and now she's moving to Malibu, so she has to switch schools. And you hear about like how she's gonna have this new sister now, and you know we've seen a lot of the you know my mind immediately went to all the like Cinderella story movies where there's like yes. yeah. a terrible stepsister, you know. Or I something. thought the sister was gonna be horrible. Yeah, and I was expecting. And I thought her... she was gonna be the rival cheerleader. Yeah, exactly. I was, same thing. I was expecting her to be this awful person, and then it turned out that that she was really just like excited to have like a new friend and a possible someone who could like you know maybe see herself as a real sister someday. Uh, and I just thought that was a surprising turn of events for these films for me. Yeah, uh, this this film. Even- even more than the first film, I think, uh, really dives into like the characters' lives. Uh, you know, not outside of cheerleading, but shows how cheerleading affects their outside life. Instead of, I mean, like Torrance in the first movie, she literally says, "Like cheerleading is my life. That is all I am. I have nothing else." And the movie sort of, you know, plays out that way. Yeah. But this one, it shows how you know cheerleading generationally has affected this family uh, it shows you know the friendships and the like mm-hmm. the sisterhood and um you know how that can be uh you know applied to different friends and even family so i i mean i thought it was like actually really nice yeah. i thought their relationship was really cute there was yeah part of me while i was watching this movie i was like am i have i just been like totally beaten down by the previous ones that i'm like hey this one's actually not quite as bad or what or yeah, what? Like, because i mean it's not <laughs> it's not like you know oscar worthy or anything but i felt like it was because some yeah. of these have been so horrible yeah and i was like is great and then i was like okay wait no calm down like it's okay uh it's just not so hideous as some of these past ones yeah so uh so um you know once once uh once uh lena gets to the malibu high school uh we talked about this kind of briefly in the in the interview but we get introduced for the first time to the idea of the all-star league uh, and how there are these you know cheer squads that might have people from your high school, but are actually, you know, outside of the school extracurricular sponsored by gyms. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that, um, you know, the last movie, those teams were club teams, but they just didn't really get into it. They just didn't talk about it. Whereas this one, we're really learning about the politics Mm -hmm. with this. Which like, I feel like that I I don't know uh, that that's totally a real thing. Club teams are, that happens with all sports. Yeah. I imagine. So, Um, totally real, totally normal. Yeah. I don't know that there's people that you're on a club team if you're not on the school team, but yeah, I think so. I, I, a lot of people, I, I had some, uh, family members who only did club competitive cheer, uh, because it was so demanding that you don't even have time to bother with football games and you know, whatever. So. There you go. 
So, yeah, the, the Malibu High School has the uh, all-star team that's kind of made up of the popular girls, uh, Avery included there, uh, and they're called the Jaguars. Jaguars. Um, yeah, they have their stupid little, like, you know, hand, one, two, three, four, five, thing that they do. Um, and the, uh, the um, high school itself has what I thought was just such a lovable group of uh, – Misfits um, in the Sea Lions, which is a hilarious uh, name for the yeah. schools in general. And I really enjoyed this like group of, uh, you know, kind of like what seem a bit more like amateur cheerleaders. They're not, they don't mm-hmm. really know what they're doing. I, in my, you know, that obviously none of this is in the movie, but I love the thought of like the, the way I described it to myself. Uh, Cause I watched the movie by myself, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a bunch of friends over. Okay. Uh, was that like, it was like the original amazing cheerleading squad died in a horrible bus accident. And so we had to turn to the band nerds and be like, there still needs to be a cheerleading squad. You guys, instead of doing the pep band, we want you to be the cheerleaders get out there and do your best. I mean, that's basically what pep bands have to do. Like yeah. you act as cheerleaders for these things, especially the low attended sports. Yeah. Um, that was the vibe. No, I thought they were really cute. We haven't seen anyone that's like, it's not like they were completely incompetent, no. like the um, the ragtag renegade team from the second movie. Yeah, they they knew what they were doing. They could cheer. It just was not at a competitive level, level. at all. Yeah. And so, you know, she kind of comes in and helps helps them. Yeah, there. and they were just like, you know, Sky is in there, and then uh, I can't can't remember the other girl's name. Christina. Yeah, Christina is the other of the main. Uh, the main cheerleaders from the sea lions. And they, I just thought they had a really fun chemistry and they were like, yeah, like awkward and funny. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I thought, I they're thought just really was... excited that she's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, they vote her captain right away, which is ludicrous. You know, we've seen a yeah. lot of drama about who's going to be the captain, you know, like, and this, this one, um, I think focused a lot more on like what it means to be a captain and, exactly. you know, how you, <clears throat> serve in that position of leadership when lena left east la the team completely fell apart like her friend was nice but she was not a good leader and mm-hmm. so it, it just didn't work out when and then when lena comes to this new team she's thrust into leadership immediately but you see kind of some of the problems with that um you know instead of really trying to work with what she has she starts bringing in ringers um at some point of like a half a dozen of them just quit because they say it's just way too hard and they don't have time (laughs) yeah and and then you know kind of the big lesson that she learns for the big finale is like stop trying to make them into exactly what you want. Let's bring together what everybody has mm-hmm. and put that together in a routine. And we, we've never seen that before. We've seen like, no. I'm the captain and I'm going to bring in different things for all of you to do, but never like, okay, you're good at this. You're good at this. You're, you know, like, yeah. I mean the second one a little bit, but they didn't really get into it. They did, yeah. They're just like, we can kind of use this. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The second one, <laughs> had them I, I was gonna say it was like you're right though because it was she was like we're gonna bring in kung fu we're gonna bring in all these things that was the first <laughs> yeah. movie and then the second one was like let's have the goss they can do something yeah but it was more just like they're the renegades like they're yeah, that weird. wasn't the lesson of it like well, this yeah. is yes. the lesson for lena and how she grows and like yeah in this movie too like uh you know w- what we're comparing it to in the second movie felt like an added on like last second 
moment in the film where yeah. it was like, oh, the last 20 minutes, she's going to, you know, train up these random people to be a squad. And this is like taking that, but spending the whole movie on like seeing what, what it takes for Lena to be a good captain and like using the skills that she, you know, had from her. And I mean, that previously. one I think was a straight up, um, a straight up comedy. Whereas this is more of, of a young adult, like dramedy. It's like a, a yeah. teen, teen story coming of age thing with comedic elements. Yeah. You're fen- meant to feel a little bit more inspired about like, Oh, people coming together and beating the, yeah. Yeah. The horrible well, and, and the way that Lena comes around to like these rich kids that she has nothing to associate with is genuine and real and not like the second installment where it's just like, well, I'm just going to come in and show you everything that you need to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love this middle part of the movie where uh, we start to see Lena uh, trying her best to train the sea lions and uh, she f- she starts out by deciding that the one answer that she has to everything is that she needs to bring in some help from the outside. She needs to bring in a ringer. And so there's like this, uh, you know, these series of scenes where like first she brings her one friend uh, to come live at her house and and also like convince her new dad to to you know <laughs> skip her through the wait list. So that I thought she that can was hilarious because you, I I really did think that dad was going to be like no, you know, but both daughters. Like, please, daddy, please. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you know. <laughs> so, and then, I like, that was cute. Yeah. And we get a whole, like, you know, it's a whole nother, like, I don't know, 10 minutes of the movie where we get to see Lena and now her first friend, uh, there, um, you know, starting to teach the teach the sea lines and it's still not going well. And then she's like, you know what? I think we need even more help. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then her friend, uh, her friend Trey, I think, um, yeah. ends up, ends up coming to live at the house too. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> she's just like, I'm going to move my entire school out here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, that was cool. I, I mean, it was, it was good and bad. And, you know, she has to suffer the consequences from that, which mm-hmm. is another thing we really haven't seen a lot of people having to suffer the consequences for their actions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously there are probably better ways to go about that uh, academically, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they learned their lesson in the end. Like, they're like, why are we even bothering to move schools when this, what we want to compete for is completely outside of the, the educational system. Right. So they just hadn't had that thought yet. Dang it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a few thing things like that. I want to mention just like about the film making, because it is still pretty, you know, they're on a budget here. Uh, <laughs> and it's pretty funny. And this is something, um, you know that I can't take credit for this because I heard about it uh, on a podcast, uh, The Storm, which is about Lost, and Joanna Robinson mentioned that this happens in the flashbacks of Lost a lot. It's a shorthand for like we're in a hot and or poor place by putting this oh, brownish orange. filter. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like so they 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 like change to this like barrio lighting every time they go back, you know, across the one hundred and one. They're like, and now everything's yellow, you know, like that. That is annoying and dumb. There's there's, there's a dissertation really out movie. there or waiting to be written about racism and lighting uh, yes. that that is this is a textbook example of this is the cheapest version of it where it's just like I mean the movie starts with like this orange tinted like a uh, uh, montage of paintings of a random neighborhood 
And oh, there's definitely yeah, a bunch of stock footage in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah totally. B-roll. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and it especially when it's you know, this is not. Uh, she's not going over the rainbow to Malibu, and now everything's right. in color. You know, it, <laughs> and, and and it does. There's no filter once they get to Malibu. Yep. But later in the movie, like during the um, the competition and everything, there actually is a lot of a different like neon, you know. Uh, extreme oh, yeah. kind of like filter so you can I, tell that I, they saved their budget for the final moments i don't yeah. i don't know if it's extreme so much as that it's just directly lit it's just like let's put all of the light on them. yeah so you know i i just think that the whole like orange because we're in a poor neighborhood thing is kind of just lazy and offensive it is you know so it absolutely um, is yeah. like don't fucking and and there are this we're calling this movie out for this this is something that is rampant and, yes and yes. now and now that if, if this is the first time you're hearing about it you will never not see it <laughs> yep. the avengers <laughs> movies do, do this, do this yeah. like every every major pop culture thing does this and it's yeah. bullshit i remember the oc every time he would go back to chino yep. it was like orange and there was like tumbleweeds flying everywhere and like, <laughs> it was so funny <laughs> um anyway another kind of funny filmmaking thing is that there's definitely only one mansion and <laughs> Avery and what's his name? Drew or something? Evan, I think, right? Let's call him Drew. I don't know. Yeah, he, I don't he's know. basically a head of hair with a face. Billy? I don't yeah, know. Like, so <laughs> Lena's family lives on like, you know, the side of the house where the backyard is facing one direction. <laughs> and when they're at the other people's rich house, they have <laughs> the backyard from they shoot it from the other direction. But it's definitely the same uh, house. I okay. I have to admit that I was not paying enough attention to this movie to notice that. But that's so delightful. It for sure was. Like I am ninety nine point nine percent sure. I t- totally believe you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you. That's got to be true. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. They yeah. only show like Avery's house like once, I think, right? At the yeah, pool? they do, and it's yeah. but they're clearly in the backyard around the pool. It's yeah. the same pool. It's the same house. <laughs> So I don't know. Uh, that's amazing. What else? Um, the only other. This is a stupid thing, but uh, I, you know, I, I, uh, I should have been doing. Oh wait, is, so this should designate it as the other. <laughs> yeah, <things. laughs> I was like, I should, I should have been. Uh, you know, as this movie was going on, I was like, man, I should have been taking a full list of all the stupid, you know, cheer whatever things cheer. that they say. Yeah bureaucracy um and uh, that's why i was doing the thing at the opening of the <laughs> of the podcast here but i took a list of the ones in this movie that i remembered and okay. uh, you want to hear them i'll uh, save absolutely. i'll save yeah, i'll save I already the have i i know what my what i think the worst one was i wrote it down so oh yeah we'll I, i'm sure what you say. i was I gonna we're in agreement i was gonna leave the la- the the yeah the worst one for the go last ahead one. go ahead read okay, your list so we've got cheer sisters we've got yeah. cheerzium for the for the museum of uh, oh, yeah. cheer cheerleading paraphernalia, um, cheer embarrassment. That's a bad. That's a good one. Uh, cheer brujas. Not not great. That's good. That's not a compound word. That's just I know. But cheer, I was yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're doing it. They're adding cheer to all sorts yeah. of stupid stuff. That's, yeah. right, that's back to a bad boys uh, for life yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have uh, we have cheer mare like a. You know, a cheer nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, cheer mare. Uh, that's, that's just Martin Lawrence. She thing. says cheer mare. Uh, there is one. <laughs> <laughs> we all. <laughs> we also have someone uh, saying like, uh, "I think you just had a cheer gasm." Yeah, movie. I didn't yes. like that either. 
Um, we also have someone referred to as Chirella Deville. That's good. That's, That's a good a one. Stretch. It's a stretch. <laughs> no, no, no. I give that one a thumbs up. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the only one I have left is the most terrible one that I'm assuming that uh, you guys yeah. all said was the worst. Um, they refer to the uh, girls in the sea lions as illegal cheer migrants. Yeah. Boo hiss. It's it's a stretch um, with the letters themselves, yes. but also it's racist. So um, bad, so bad. So we have to say yeah. that, the, believe that a lot happened. of this is that there was illegal zone variances of these yeah. girls from the other schools coming in, which like is a thing, and like I get it, like they're they're not you know. Uh, it's in the context of of schools and zone transfers. God, Tyler, and... you sound like the white boyfriend in this movie. <laughs> no, How no, dare no, you no, try no. to see the other side? I'm, 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 I'm right. I'm, I'm saying this as knowing that two women of color wrote this movie. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, at the same time, it's total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, and also, like, just wordplay-wise alone, it would still be horrible, but it would sound better if it was, like, cheer-legal immigrants, I think. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> <Just> guess. <saying. laughs> like, if you're going to come up with a horrible like racist a true joke. editor, yeah. yeah like... <laughs> it's like, not only is it a lazy racist joke, but it's a poorly constructed lazy racist joke. Yes, I'm offended. <laughs> okay. Um, uh... Tyler, uh, how come you never let me drive your car? Um, <laughs> you, do, do you not think I love cars enough to drive your car? Bro, you don't love cars enough to even <laughs> like sit in the passenger seat, bro. <laughs> uh, I love that moment. They're like, they send over her friend, her boyfriend, Victor, to go talk, talk some sense into Evan or to kind of like scare him a bit. And they become best friends because he likes cars. He likes car. Oh, bro, you like cars? All you got to do is tell her how you feel, bro. I thought it was cute. And, you know, the, I think, is Romance. this movie longer than the other ones? It is a little bit, yeah. That, it felt a little bit longer, but at the same time, it managed to cram in more levels of character development for almost everybody than yep. any other movie that we have seen in this series. Like, there's two boyfriends. They have character moments. Uh, I thought they were, like, kind of cute. And, you know, he... The boyfriend is kind of like fronting and being gross to Gloria about sex and stuff, but like you really get the feeling that they're joking and that there actually is no like a- yeah, like there's no actual pressure yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, and um, the you know the main love interest brother has his own little thing, um, you know, going on, and for the first time ever, the parents are real characters with. Um, you know, issues and opinions and do things throughout the movie that affect the girls. Like there's mm-hmm. a cute, like makeover, you know, dressmaking scene. And the dad is, you kind of see, even when he gets caught sneaking the girls into the school, <laughs> when he takes them out, it was actually like really nice. And he like puts his arm around them in a totally not creepy way. And just like, yeah. it's like I'm really sorry, you know? So and it's just crazy how much, and- how they managed to, develop everyone in the same the, the, people the stepsister has this a whole subplot with her 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 mom who's passed away yes. and, and it works and it plays well her mom was a cheerleader and she was uh, amazingly talented and it's kind of how they bond over 
you know, the course of the movie where Lena has wants nothing to do with her at the beginning. And, you know, it, it come it builds to a moment of her saying, your mom would be proud of you. Yeah. And, and it earns that scene. And yeah. I don't think that there is anything close to that emotional depth no. from anything beyond the first movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that issue of living up to your parents or your older sister, or whoever's, you know, performance in an activity is a real issue for teens. And totally. that's never been mentioned before. Only, you know, are we going to live up to the last captain? Not, you know, right. my family or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All the characters uh, are are much better in this movie. In fact, uh, I thought that the dad uh, was really funny. He only had, in my opinion, one character flaw during the final moments of the movie. Um, when spoiler alert, the uh, you know Malibu Dream Team wins, he just wouldn't live in the moment, man. Put down the fucking video camera and cheer for your new daughter, and, and also your also your real daughter. <laughs> They're no, like, uh, like during the winning moments, he's, he's still like he's still holding up the camera, like yeah, yeah. I mean, that like, is Come on, so Henry. accurate to team parents today, yeah. though. Like I know, I know. I mean, I can't even tell you how many I, parents I've seen. Just it's like, just watch it. You know, <laughs> like, they do it for the gram. Do it yeah. for the gram. Yeah, put down the camcorder, bro. <laughs> just live in it. Um, the other thing was funny. We were talking about the uh, the length of the movie earlier, and I I was like, I had two moments of sheer terror while watching this film. One was when I hit play and saw that it was an hour and forty two minutes. Yes. Because all yep. the other movies have been like exactly like 90 80, minutes. 80 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like maybe an hour and a half. And I was like, okay. And then the other one, there was a terrifying moment when the the two couples, uh, you know, Evan and uh, Lena and Victor, and I can't remember the other girl's name ever. Gloria? Um, I think they just call her G. Yeah, G. When they both uh, go take a trip to the... Somewhere where they can park their car on the beach, apparently. Um, uh, yeah. And there's a scene. So Victor and G like go off like uh, and run off onto the beach. And then we, we see uh, Evan and Lena sitting in the um, sitting in the car. And really ominously, there really <laughs> ominously, there is a an acoustic guitar sitting behind them. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dear God. Why is there an acoustic guitar in that car? Is someone going to pick Is this guy going to pick it up and be like, I also wrote you a song. And I'm like, I don't think I can handle this right now. And luckily, I didn't think that's what you were going to say. You didn't think or did? I did not think that's oh. what you were going to say because I did not see the guitar. I, what I was horrified by was that after the bird poops on the car and ruins their romantic moment, they decide to go run after their friends and go run on the beach and they leave the keys in the ignition in the convertible. And I was like, what? <laughs> Uh, these are the places that's how you know you're in the rich part of town. You're like, oh, just leave the keys here. Like, yeah, away. These are these are the uh, these are the places your mind wander wanders to while watching the fifth Bring It On film. Yeah, yeah I was curious. My biggest problem with the movie is why I'd never heard of the Jaguars and all the cheer TV I've been watching. It's because in this universe, <laughs> cheer TV isn't good enough. <laughs> they're on E. Yeah, they're on the E Entertainment News Channel, being watched it, nationwide. It is kind of amazing the celebrity, the level of celebrity, celebrity that gets pulled into the orbit of these movies. Yeah, I, I mean, like she clearly wasn't even there, and all of her lines were filmed at once. Yeah. 
you know, on a separate green screen. But like, like probably you know, while she was doing her daily show, like probably yes. like okay, like, like five minutes for this. Yeah, so and Juliana Rancic, like yeah. bless her heart, I'm sure she's friends with Christina Milian or someone that was working on this movie, and she agreed to do it. But you know what? She gave it her all, and she really acted like she was truly <laughs> interested and invested in this cheer competition. And I'd rather see that than a boring like. And now we have you know like a fake thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was so, so funny. Like uh, I, I realize, I realize obviously that you know cheerleading, uh, you know, in in the real world is you know. Uh, broadcast all over TV, the comp- competitions you can watch nationwide or whatever. But there was a moment in this movie at the end when she's like, uh, you know, wow, this is truly an upset moment. The team, the Malibu dream team, the team that's captured the nation's hearts. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought this was like, minutes. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was like just a rivalry amongst like Southern California squads. <laughs> like they captured the nation's hearts. Well, sure. I mean, Glendale tried, but they just couldn't yeah. quite. <laughs> Glendale couldn't quite capture the nation's hearts. Couldn't quite grab it. Sorry, Glendale. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you know what though? It's not that unusual for a national organization of competing performing arts groups for all the winners to come from one region. Like it's sure. unfortunate, but it happens all the time. With Bands of America. Oh, all the winners are from Texas, even though the things in Indiana or, <laughs> yep. you know, like all the, you know, there's other ones that are similar. So, um, it wouldn't be impossible that three teams from Southern California would be in the finals for a national competition. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. It would be very unfortunate. It just was funny because like, you get absolutely no sense that this is some sort of like nationwide thing yeah. up until that that one sentence. And I was like, huh? Huh? Yeah. Um, what did you guys think of the um, Toshiba computers? No, I'm kidding. Um, well, I was going to say is like, <laughs> that I, unless I missed it, I don't think that there this movie particularly made me want to associate myself with any cellular brand. Yeah, the, no. the judges all had Toshiba computers. There you go. I think um, American Cheer or Spirit Magazine or one of those was still sponsoring the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it didn't. Uh... What I yeah, what what I um, really wanted to ask you guys about before I interjected about the Toshiba computers because I had that in my notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was one really strange moment in the film for me where we learned oh, just one. <laughs> Yeah, just one. No, there's this really weird moment where um, we learn that one of the uh, um, <laughs> one of the cheerleaders on the Jaguars has uh, uh, superhero powers in the form of eating sushi. <laughs> Which I was like, "What is this? What are they doing here?" That was really weird, right? It was insane. Yes, she's got like a tuna roll or something, and she's like licking it, and then she goes like, "Sushi helps me think." Yeah, I'm not a fan so weird. of that actress, I have to say. She played basically the same uh, role in um, Unreal, the mm. show on Lifetime that's like a fake version of The Bachelor. And mm-hmm. she also played like a bougie scheming, like, uh, just, I don't like it. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, that was just a weird, really odd moment. Oh, one brand that I was surprised to see pop up in the movie, although I guess it was very... What did we say? 2009? Uh-huh. So I guess maybe it was of the time when they go to the big fancy party, the two, uh, you know, the stepsister and the Asian girl from the Sea Lions are super excited to get on the dance floor and be asked to dance by two guys wearing Affliction t-shirts. t-shirts. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. They were like, ooh. And I was like, no. 
I, I noticed that. that. Yeah. I was just like, what? Like, I was like, he's... They both look like skinny white dude twins. And then also... <laughs> also there are I, twins in the squad. Oh, okay. So maybe that maybe that was them. Maybe, but... but they also, like, they don't ask if they want to dance. They just walk up. <laughs> they just walk up and go like... And the girls are like, yeah! <laughs> yeah! They walk up behind them and just look at them like, hmm? <laughs> they don't you know, if you're like been a nerd and you've never been asked to dance okay fine whatever but i was like oh god affliction like i wouldn't want my daughter to associate with anybody wearing an affliction t-shirt we're, we're sure. talking about the party with the rdds yes yes uh the rodeo where, drive divas. i'm curious if you guys think that a shoe vite is an actual thing or not <laughs> i it cannot like, be i feel like it maybe was and made like the news on a website or something once and the writer like heard about it like oh this rich kid party had this insane thing and so then they put it in the movie yeah <laughs> yeah like you had an aunt that had a myspace post at some point in 2009 yeah yeah um i thought that was also kind of weird kind of weird um but yeah another remnant of 2009 one that i actually did enjoy was uh lady gaga's just dance as yeah. the song for the party <laughs> That's where so, all their that's where all their budget went right there. Yeah. I'm joking. Um what else was I going to say? I did like the ringtone that the uh the girl had that was like just her going like like pick up, like pick oh, up. Oh yeah. Like God. pick up. Which I thought was kind of stupid and funny yeah. at the same time. You guys want to um, talk about the 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 big uh, championship at the end or Yeah, so I mean we talked about it a little bit but she decides that you know the only way they're going to beat the jaguars is to bring together the um the old team and dancers from east la and the new people and to instead of trying to mush them all into one you know routine that is of one style you know her friends help her see that the better way to do things is to incorporate everyone's strengths and to um you know, showcase different people at different times. So they have, you know, some of the the East LA girls in the front dancing while some of the other sea lion people are in the back doing like really crazy stunts and stuff. So instead of trying to do this uniform thing and make people uncomfortable, they're like, let's just play to our strengths. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the our, 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 you know, our winning squad that we're cheering for throughout the movie, again, I feel like they had a little bit, you know, like the last movie where, uh, our winning squad got to have like twice as much time on the mat uh, as opposed to all the other squads. This one, I feel like the Malibu Dream team was like three times as large as any of the other squads. So they got to like, <laughs> you know, have a little bit more dynamism with their visuals and everything because there's so many people in the squad. So I was yeah, a they didn't bit have like, any <laughs> hidden chain link fence props though. <laughs> I, mean, right. I do, I do appreciate that this one it was lit and shot like a cheerleading competition. Yeah, and yeah. get any thing like it allowed the cheerleading to just be the cheerleading like yeah and this one was the first time that we've seen them play around with like putting a camera on the ground or you know like having it under the people that are being thrown which there was like like, i don't know that it was executed amazingly but i just thought it was like good to finally have well look, this guy what you said he was a music video director yeah. and had yeah I mean, like he was directing it like yeah there was there was some at least it was at least framed in a way by somebody who is aware that choreography might happen yeah and like i definitely <laughs> i mean those moments uh you know it's like we're, we're like mildly making fun of them here but they were exciting for me because like you said it's not something we've seen like yeah. this whole like you know no, they were great clearly they were doing you know flips and stuff under like a clear mat and shooting up and then there were like slow motion shots that 
looked to be actually shot on purpose as slow motion and not later turned into slow motion, slow motion yeah. in post, which looked terrible in some of the other movies. This one was like, oh, this was like actually shot, you know, in the... Yeah, they, they brought out the high frame rate camera. Exactly. They, they, did a, they did a unique setup, you know. And so yeah. I thought, you know, I was thinking like, man, we were... Personally, I was making fun of how bad that, you know signature move looked in the last movie and i was like if they would have used these cameras and yeah. it like this it might have looked way cooler the bottom that would have been great yeah, yeah. would have been way cooler so. so i appreciated that a lot actually the cameras are more affordable in 2000 <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> things are getting better <laughs> yeah <laughs> just uh you know a couple years later um yeah. so even even though um most of the things i thought were a lot better in this movie it definitely has one of the weaker credits sequences um i mean that's what that's what i was alluding to when i asked because i was just <laughs> like i like this seems like the worst credit sequence it's just like here you're in another music video and yep. you're gonna dance and well, they didn't really dance they just did like fake uh you're gonna bands, pretend that you're in the band, band <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah so it reminded me of and i've i've probably mentioned this in the podcast before but one of my favorite conan bits of all time is uh when they do like the cable channels where they can get from like NBC's crazy antenna and it was the channel for people playing air instruments for people who have never seen real instruments before <laughs> and it would basically like play like a trombone and then like a trombone noise and the guy's like just playing guitar like yeah um and that's what this felt like it felt yeah. like People who have never seen or heard an instrument before, <laughs> just like, holding it and smiling it, just like, yeah, do it. Like, if yeah. like you handed me a harpsichord, I'd be like, ah, no. <laughs> no way that dude plays guitar <laughs> or that there are like some of those girls are playing drums or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. It looked really cheesy. Yeah. And, uh, and also, yeah. although I was really happy, of course, that the team, you know, came together and one, I really didn't like the uniforms of the Malibu Dream Team or the name because it's like, why don't you do a name that incorporates both groups and also like having yeah, like the shits. type <laughs> over your crotch, like having lettering on the skirt is bad and not necessary. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. They really, they should have just kept going with the sea lions, man. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that was cute. I love their fun. mascot that looked like they had taken a, a, a blow up, um, inflatable killer whale costume and turned put whiskers on it and made it a sea lion because <laughs> it was like black and white and i'm like oh, okay yeah i thought that was hilarious but yeah they're yeah. they're is they, there any other scene that we should be talking about here they fight to the finish tyler they fight to the finish they fight and then there's a finish so are we saying that we're at the finish they, they fought <laughs> they fought to the to the very finish of the movie the only um, I didn't uh, I didn't take down very many lines from the movie that I thought were funny, but I did like the part. The one line that I thought was so dumb enough to make me laugh a little bit was when the the first cheerleader quits from the sea lines, and she was like, she says, "I'd rather eat underwear and die, sweaty, day old, butt wedgie underwear." That girl Which, sucked. She totally sucked. Yeah, she <laughs> like uh yeah, she was just terrible and then she quit, but I thought that was just a stupid thing for her to say. <laughs> I did like I mean they, they had people that were just like this isn't for me and I quit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like real life. Yep. Well, Tyler, rating? Oh boy. I mean it might have to be the shoe bites, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think it might have to be the shoe fight. How many shoe fights would you give? Bring it on fight to the finish 
Um, you know, we've seen a lot of bad movies. So, uh, when I was thinking, not bad movies, but bad bringing on movies specifically. Yeah. So, so what he's saying is, here comes our Stockholm syndrome rating. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm not really going. Is. I'm not going too crazy, but I was like, I gave the last movie a three, and I think it's better than that. So, I think I'm going to give it uh, two full pairs of shoevites, which is four shoevites in total. Um, okay. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, I still don't think that this movie is all that great. But if, but if. Uh, at this point, I think, like, if I was, like, you know, came across some person that was like, oh, my God, I love Bring It On. Like, I really should watch the other movies. I'd be like, no, 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 just don't. But, like, at the moment, like, I could maybe recommend that you watch this one because it's not as bad as the other the other few. Um, and, like, you know, like I mentioned before, I really like that, uh, you know, we are all talking about the, the strength of the characters in this movie. And um, Christina Milian, I think, does a really great job. And I, I just really love that she kind of you know, gets the, gets the opportunity to really, you know, take charge and, and, and show her skills off in this movie multiple times. And, and, um, you know, you, you really get a full sense of like, Oh, it makes total sense why she's captain. And like, you know, you really get to see her use those skills throughout the movie. And, um, you know, it's and really... she has to be she has to be challenged to become a better captain. Yeah, like, she's she not has a saint to, either. Yeah, she has to adjust what's what's going on, and like her friends, like from the other school, are like, "Hey, like you're acting ridiculous. Like yeah. you need to give them a chance." Like, and it's which, uh... th- there's no room for that nuance in any of these other movies. Right. No. Yeah, I just I just like that there's more of a focus on you know bringing you know people that don't normally hang out together together and introducing. Um, you know, scared white people to other cultures that, you know, like maybe help them learn that you should just like, you know, you, you, these people can be cool too and you can be friends. And, and I think that's a, that's something that the, the, the other movies have maybe been attempting to do, but it's very clunky and awful. Uh, and it's done way better here. Yeah. Um, you know, at the risk of Stockholm syndrome rating, I really, I mean, I think we were really like weirdly down after the last two movies. Yeah. We were saying like, God, is this going to be the one that breaks us? Like, you know, it just, <laughs> I don't know, just with the world and how bad these movies yeah. were, it was just really unfortunate. And so I was really happy and really grateful that this one was actually watchable mm-hmm. and somewhat enjoyable, you know? So um, I'm going to give it, uh, three pairs of shoe bites, so six shoe bites. Um, because I think I give the second one five. Um, so I want to give this one a little bit higher than that. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's um, it's just a really nice, like, cute teen movie. Um, with a lot of nice character development. Um, and you know, real human people with human reactions and uh, like problems and you know, good things about them too. Um. It's <laughs> it does still like we said have problems with the way that they show different um cultures and also in the way there are smarter ways to make racist villains than mm-hmm. just these bad kind of jokes making and, them hateful yeah yeah um and yeah there's a few it, like there's probably some scenes that I could have done without like the um you can't look at people a certain way yeah. whole thing that was a little bit extraneous and you know just so you know it could it could be better in that uh sense but overall it's just such an improvement over the last two um that you know i'm i'm just i have to give it that rating so yeah 
I think I also am going to give it four uh, pairs of shoe vites. All right, uh, yeah. Four pairs? Whoa! Four total <laughs> shoe vites! Eight shoe vites? <laughs> it's, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I, and I something when you were talking about it, it did have the scene where there wasn't a unless I don't recall, maybe it was this where mm. like she was taking all her Malibu friends to meet her friends from East Los Angeles, and it wasn't necessarily like you need to get more street for you know whatever it was just like come hang out with my friends, like it wasn't like a uh, there was no implicit cheer reason for it it was just hey like we're all people let's hang out because we're teens in mm-hmm. high school um and the fact that this movie had the room to breathe for that to happen is such a breath of fresh air compared to everything else that we've seen like we're coming off a movie where everything was shot at the universal lot <laughs> in florida yeah. where like they, they literally like had a there were zombies and <laughs> All sorts of nonsense. Um, and it's kind of nice to have it grounded. And it's amazing that it took, what is this the fourth or the fifth? The fifth? This is the, the fifth. fifth. This is the fifth. That it took the fifth movie to make the character from the, how, how do I want to say it? The more diverse part of town uh, to be the main character and have that, you know, those things inverted and, and, and talked about in a way that's human and real for all people of the age that this movie is targeting, as opposed to making everybody these terrible caricatures um, that don't seem relevant to anybody. So I, I think it's a four. I think that there's a lot of dialogue. It really dances the line with these movies of, the mean shit that teenagers actually say and what you, what's responsible to put into a movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I I am like, you know, the lot of stuff she says, I'm like, Oh man, I'm sure people were saying stuff like that, but it's like, also, yeah. Like, do you want to, do you want to amplify those kind of words in a (laughs) big, preserve it forever. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's a different type of movie, right? Like if you're going like with a drama and you're trying to capture those things, like absolutely. But if you're, Doing it as a as comic kind of, relief in a weird way. It's not even that. It's like it's like a hyperlink to relate to to the audience you're trying to get to. Is like, see, we're talking like you, but it, like it just rings it so hollow in a way that that uh, it just doesn't have any any justification to do any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I think that even if I was a teen watching it in 2009, I would say this is bullshit. Like. Yeah. It doesn't. It's it's not authentic to the people in the moment, and it's certainly not authentic eleven years down the line. Yeah. Well, sounds like we, uh, you know overall we enjoyed this one a little bit more. Um, but don't worry, there's still time for the series to let us down one last time. <laughs> Bring it on! <laughs> Bring it on! Uh, the you know this one was 2009, and uh, after this the. Series takes a little bit of a break uh, all the way to 2017 for oh the uh, what is currently the final Bring It On film. Bring It On, ha- uh, bring it on Worldwide Hashtag Cheer Smack. <laughs> so there's a hashtag in the title. So <laughs> there, oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. My, my you guess go. is that this will be a ripoff of um, Pitch Perfect 2. Where you've got like, here's a Swedish team that talks funny, and uh, here's a you know this team from this country or whatever. We'll see. You're probably right. I bet you're right. 
You'll have to explain to me what happens in the pitch perfect pitch perfect movies then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we haven't got to those yet on the podcast. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, you know, thanks thanks to everybody listening for being here, um, and thanks again to Allison Wright for being. Uh, an amazing guest for us uh, this week. Please go check out um, more of her work on her website, as she mentioned. Um, but in the meantime, Eliz, where can people get a hold of us? Yeah, send us your feedback. And, uh, hey, we're almost done. So your suggestions for future franchises. That's right. SequelRights at gmail.com or find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at SequelRights. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what your cellular provider of choice is. Uh, <laughs> and maybe we can guess what the provider for... I'm going Boost Mobile for... Uh, Wasn't it already Boost Mobile? I, they're coming back. Uh, it could come back. You're probably right. <laughs> what's some What's some uh, international tele, telecommunications? Cricket thing? Wireless. Yeah, Cricket yes, Wireless. You <laughs> you're probably right. All right. Well, you know what? I never thought I'd be saying these words in my life, but uh, we'll see you next week for Bring It On Worldwide Hashtag Cheer Smack.